Join the conversation with the Morning Majlis. Pulse 95. So, Abdul Karim, you spoke with a UAE resident who was stuck abroad for six months. His name is William Pardo. Yes, William Pardo. What's his story? Okay, so imagine being stuck at sea for six months. Where was he stuck? In Thailand? He was stuck in Thailand, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so he set off on a boat uh, from Australia in March 2020, thinking he's going to get to uh, Thailand in time for, in, in five weeks' time, and the world will clear up and, and things will be over. The pandemic will be over, borders will be open. So he can get on, uh, drop the boat in Thailand, and then go on from there back to the United Arab Emirates, where his parents live. Now, at the time, he did not hold a UAE residency visa, Uh-oh. so he couldn't appeal for the UAE government for help. Right. He's a British citizen relied completely on the British embassy and and relied on the Thai authorities to let him in and and let them go. Sadly, that was not the case. Now, oh. the bottom line of the story is, as soon as he arrived, he was on, on board a small boat, catamaran. So he arrived in Thailand, tried to uh, disembark, and they couldn't let them in. The only and there's about four hundred thousand men at sea or seamen who are facing the same situation. Oh, my goodness. They're still stranded at sea at the end of December. Um, and, and and this because, you know, obviously it had brought its own challenges onshore in our own lands and whatever. And the international waters was a bit of a crisis because where would these ships go? Because the borders are closing down, ports are closing. Um, so this is uh, the conversation that we had with Will. One of the reasons why he couldn't get off was because there is something that call, that is called a crew change. Thing. Okay where crew can get off the boat, uh, apply for that crew chain situation, and then the international shipping lines can send the other crew to look after the boats. It's like a shift change. Right. Because they were on a catamaran, they're not international traders or cruise liners or wherever, the Thai authorities disregarded them. They just oh. It's a small thing to handle. They're like, no, sorry, guys, you can stay in the port. We have nothing to do with you. Now, you know what I'm going to be asking. How yes. did he survive? What did he eat? How much did he spend? What, what, yeah. How was he spending his everyday life for six months? Yep, and this is the conversation. Let's see what he has to say. So let's listen in to our conversation with Mr. William Pardo and for him to tell the story from his perspective in terms of why he was stranded at sea. At sea. This is Mr. William Pardo, who now lives in the United Arab Emirates, and our conversation with him about his six-month-long ordeal. We sailed a 62-foot catamaran to Thailand from Australia back in April, and we got stuck in Thailand in quarantine for six months, unable to leave because we couldn't enter, and it was a bureaucratic abyss that we had to escape from, and this is the story. kind of boat did you board and uh, what was the um, the journey like because if you started off in April you must know that okay you know pandemic is happening it might have reached other parts of the globe by that time but uh, were you still confident to take that boat out and uh, get set sail? I was confident but my parents were very unconfident in that. Um, Thailand was supposed to be opening in May end of May uh, so that would be perfect for the five weeks but then as we reached Thailand, that just got pushed back and pushed back until in November we were still there. Okay, so when you arrived in Thailand, how did they receive you well? Did they, you know, what was the scenario as soon as you docked there? Did you have much option? What kind of options did you have? Did you have a chance to move away and uh, maybe get a hotel or something? Uh, what was it like? 
Um, so we spent a month in Malaysia waiting for Thailand to open. And finally, we just sailed there. They took us into a marina, finally. Um, and we were stuck in the marina, quarantined. We couldn't leave the boat. The way we got food was the Tesco delivery driver brought it to the marina. We would take it into the boat and we'd just sit in the boat and not allowed to go out any, anywhere for months and months and months. Okay, so w- what was in the boat? And describe the boat and your surroundings because if someone would say six-month quarantine, it is scary. Well, it was, it was a big enough boat for the four of us. It was a 62-foot catamaran. But it's like being trapped inside your apartment for six months without being able to go for a walk or anything like that. So it sounds okay, but it's just a prison cell. Even if it's in Thailand, it's a prison especially. Mm-hmm. Okay, so talk to me about uh, when, you, when you got to Malaysia, when you first got there, did you expect that, okay, the borders are not opened up, so what do we do? What, you know, how did you spend your time as soon as you were docked there? In Malaysia, we had a lot more freedom because we hadn't, um, we weren't officially there. We, we just docked, uh, we just anchored in the bay of, a, of an island outside, Langkawi. And there we could go onto the, onto the land, have fires on the beach. And there was a, an abandoned, um, like a castaway house where the guy used to live. Uh, so there we enjoyed. Uh, but as soon as we got, at, as we left there, then the walls came down and, and it was a different situation. So when you were in Malaysia, it wasn't uh, an immigration controlled or, a, or a, a policed territory. You just managed to you know, spend some time at the, at the island, basically. Yeah, there were police boats coming past, but they understood the situation where people were just, you know, they needed somewhere to stay, but they weren't allowed onto the land. So they didn't um, interrupt anybody, but you you weren't able to get anywhere. So the way we got food in Malaysia was um, my captain's friends brought food by dinghy, and that was a situation a lot of people were in and still in at the moment. Okay. Talk to us about your journey. So you set off from Australia to, was Thailand your final destination? And was that the plan? And uh, what was the purpose of this boating trip? Yeah, so it was, a, it was a paid delivery to Thailand to deliver the boat from Australia to be refit in Thailand and then sail it on to Greece uh, for its new owner. So it's it going to Thailand to be worked on. Okay. And um, in, in terms of the... When you were in Thailand, um, what was it like? Because as soon as you arrived there, were they expecting you over there? And uh, and you know what happened in Thailand? So yeah, so this is where the bureaucracy comes in. They they knew we were coming. The boat was um, registered in Malaysia, but going to be worked on by a Thai company. And but they were they were totally closed. And even though we'd been at sea for five weeks, isolated, they weren't interested in letting us through. Um, and finally, after a month or two, there was um, an option to apply for crew change, where you can leave the boat and fly away. But because we were a small boat, they didn't consider us to be commercial crew, even though we were a commercial crew. And that's just for the big tankers. So they're very close-minded. They weren't interested in the small fry, basically. So every two weeks or so, there would be a, a a flash of light where we're thinking we could get out now and then two weeks would come and they were again our hopes were dashed and so month after month we were always being uh, cast aside and then ignored 
and we were dealing with the, the British Embassy who and the British Ambassador, the Ambassador of Phuket, um, the Marine Department, the, the Ministry of Transport, uh, all these different officials and they were just passing the, the buck all around. No one was making the decision. Even though after months and months we'd been there, uh, we weren't allowed out. No one would take the responsibility to free us from that situation. So break it down for us in terms of uh, what was the the timeline. So you set up from April in Australia. What day did you arrive in Malaysia? Where did you end up after, after Malaysia? And what happened after that? So we left in t- April 23rd, reached Malaysia in five weeks later. And then oh, a month after that, we arrived in Thailand. And then for the next four months, we were in Thailand, just sat on the boat in the marina. Until finally, in uh, end of October, we realized that no one was helping us and the rules were not working for us. So the only way to take our freedom was to take it ourselves. And so the way we escaped the situation was to take it. We, we stowed away on a boat that was leaving for Singapore. The captain uh, agreed to take us. So as the customs were coming on board, we hid. And then finally we escaped um, we joined the crew in international water and in Singapore they let us in and we were able to fly away from Singapore. So this conversation will continue with William Pardo so do stay tuned to Pulse 95 and uh, we shall be right back. Up next is his survival. This is Pulse 95. Pulse 95. It's the Morning Majulus. It's the Morning Majulus. Talking the stories that are shaping headlines plus those that make you go... Hmm. Certainly makes you go, hmm. Well, it is uh, the story of William Pardo. Uh, we're continuing uh, this discussion with him. He's a UAE resident uh, now and uh, was stranded at sea uh, for six months because of the border closures. So we just heard uh, a little bit more of a story and, in, in, and an insight into what challenges they were facing uh, whilst trying to uh, disembark. I want to know how he how he managed to escape. Yes, now is the story. Now yeah. he's going to say. Now he's going to say how he's going to he managed to escape and how. Because he did say that it was like a prison cell. Yes. Living in a prison cell for six months. Exactly, living in your own apartment. Yeah. And now uh, we also talked to him about how he survived, how he got his food, and yeah. all of that. Because initially they had planned this journey to be five weeks, so they had enough food for that. But then that got prolonged to become a a seven month long ordeal. This is William Pardo telling uh, talking to morning majlis about his 6 month quarantine on board a boat docked at a port in Phuket in Thailand. Uh, talk to me about you know your parents where were they during this ordeal and your family and uh, how were they getting coping with all this? Uh, well, like I said my my parents thought it was a silly idea to go sailing in this pandemic. But I was more confident in in systems working out. I wasn't expecting such a brick wall of uh, illogic, you know, attitude. Um, well, they were here, they were living their life, and it was locked down here anyway, so um, things are, I guess, similar. But just the idea of not having freedom, really, for the mental side of it, was very hard. It was the hardest experience of my life. Okay. Um, talk to me about the, the, the quarantine of, in total, on the same boat, you stayed in total for how long and how did you manage to get your food, how did you manage to dry your clothes and how did you manage to live on the boat? Um, life was very routine, 
we had a, a list of things we do. We kept ourselves sane, you know, like reading, writing, exercise, meditation, yoga. Just check you winning this part of the day. And that's how we kept ourselves sane. Food, like I said, the Tesco delivery came to the boat, which was good. Otherwise, we'd have to break the law and go into Thailand to buy food, which is actually what a lot of boats were doing. They had no choice. They couldn't abide by the rules, so they had to do their own thing. So the rules were just not um, even considered for people in that situation. Day-to-day um, -day life, learning Arabic, you know, doing whatever we could do to pass the time. It was very hard to pass seven months like that, or six months like that. And was there any glimmer of hope or any end in sight ever? Was there, was there sort of during those seven months, did you think it's going to last a month? Did you think it's going to last two months? Or was it just constant, it kept going? Well, it was always two weeks and then another two weeks, maybe next month. Um, so there were many times when we thought we were going to escape. Logically, it made sense that this would be the, the break and then it went, yeah, the, the date came and went and again, uh, we were waiting. So eventually we were joking about being there at Christmas and indeed my captain and his first mate are still there past Christmas. And is there end inside as the British Embassy going to open a helper and in terms of any diplomatic support? What were you getting and uh, was there anything in concrete? Did you think that, okay, this is going to happen? Concrete, yeah, many times, like we thought. Like I said, like the, the paperwork was in order. We we're just waiting for the, the Ministry of the, like the Marine Department and the Ministry of Interior just to uh, say yes, sign off, like waiting for one man's signature. And again, it just kept passing through, nothing happened. Um, so in the end, like we realized that this is our own responsibility to take our own life back. And that's when we found the boat leaving. And luckily, a, an owner that was open to helping us. We're really grateful for that. Okay. Otherwise, we'd still be there with my captain and first mate. <laughs> oh, okay. Poor guys. And um, if to, to leave, did you have to? Um, was that a violation of the law, or was it the the only option that you had to to? to find out how did you find these guys leave were leaving did you have to network did you spend your time at the bay uh, what was the scenario so for us we weren't legally in thailand and that's the whole issue we couldn't exit thailand we couldn't take a flight because we couldn't enter so we were totally in a bureaucratic limbo um, for the boat that we stowed away on it was illegal for them to take us as a stowaway basically it's human trafficking um, but they took that risk to take us out of the situation because it was the, our only option of leaving. We couldn't take our own boat because the, um, the mast was broken and needed the repairs in Thailand. Um, and also it wasn't our boat, but otherwise we would have you know, taken our own freedom in that situation when nothing else was happening. Okay. And um, were the Thai immigration not willing to cooperate and maybe put you in a hotel instead and you know, put it on your expenses? What was the the red tape that was forcing you guys to, to be on the boat and say, you know, no, there's no way out. All you have to do is just stay on the boat. What was holding you guys back? <laughs> yeah, the red tape, absolutely. Um, in the end, they basically said, we know you're, you're in this situation and not going to do anything about it. 
You guys weren't the only ones who were facing this situation. Talk to us about there were other seamen across the globe, and uh, was was this a plight that was? Do you think was ignored by the world that there was a lot of seamen uh, who couldn't uh, make it out and weren't given the right support? Definitely, yeah. There was six hundred thousand crew at the beginning of the crisis who were just stuck on cruise ships and and cargo ships and other boats, um, and they couldn't enter the, the countries to leave. So it was a big crew crew change crisis. Um, then more recently, it's dropped to still 300,000. I'm not sure of the more recent statistic, but yeah, it's, a, it's a massive problem where the, the crew can't leave because they can't enter. So they're just adrift, literally, stateless. Okay. And, and there's still people out there similar to that situation? Yeah, I mean, Thailand is still closed. These countries are all still closed, so they can't escape. Yeah, my message to my crewmates would be to hang in there. What else can they do? And take their freedom if they can do that. Take a boat and get out of there. Take their lives back. Yes, that was the story of Mr. William Pardo, a UAE resident and his six-month-long quarantine ordeal. Time now for us to prepare for the world of business news, but if you'd like to catch this conversation and listen to it again, you can do so on our pages on SoundCloud and Apple Podcast. And search for Morning Mindless, subscribe and share away. This is the Morning Mindless. Up next is the world of business news headlines, courtesy of Iman Al-Majali.